You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Assembly Call. I am Galen Clavio, subbing in for Jared Morris as your host here today. We've got uh, our good friend Ryan Phillips. There he is, getting uh, set to to commentate as well on this one. And kind of a rough game for this Indiana squad. They lose sixty nine to fifty five to the Michigan Wolverines on the road. Uh, a game that IU had trouble getting started in, and, and it never really got better. Uh, a brief moment of daylight at the beginning of the second half, and then that went away quickly. Um, and we're going to talk all about it here. We'll break it down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And we're going to start tonight's show as we start every show, and that's with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And our banner moment uh, really is the overall game that Juwan Morgan was able to put together for this IU squad. 24 points and 8 rebounds. Nine for 14 from the floor, six for nine from the free throw line. He played 32 minutes. That was the most of anybody for this IU team. Uh, you, you know, really was the guy that really carried the water for this IU team when they were still in it. Uh, really dove for loose balls. Really looked like you know, he was trying to will this team single-handedly to victory. Uh, so certainly our hats off to him, and, and he is very much deserving of the Hoosier Proud banner moment for today's game. Our banner moment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers and for Hoosiers. So why should you check out their website, HoosierProud.com? Well, here's three good reasons for doing so. Number one, their designs. Hoosier Proud is officially licensed IU gear, as well as a bunch of really cool and interesting designs that are inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier state. Plus, they're inspired. They are, pardon me. They are the official provider of our Assembly Hall logo shirts. Number two, their philanthropy. Hoosier Proud donates a portion of the revenue from their T-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the number three reason to visit HoosierProud.com is their generosity. As an Assembly Call listener, you get fifteen percent off of your entire order. Just use the promo code Assembly at checkout. Be sure to check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the other member of our team today. Uh, Ryan Phillips will be bringing us Ryan's rant brought to you by TheBigLead.com. Ryan, I know you've probably got some things to say on this, so by all <laughs> means, take it away. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to be too harsh on the team today because, I mean, after the Duke game, we kind of predicted that this was going to happen. It's, you know, the huge emotional high of that game. And then, you know, it was a letdown to lose that game. I mean, they played great, uh, you know, all things considered. Uh, and then we 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 talked about it on the postgame show that uh, it's kind of a letdown. And then you've got a noon, you know, 1230 start on the road. Those games are always tough on the road team because, you got to start your warm up early. You got to do your walkthrough early. You got to get out of bed early. You got to you're sleeping in a strange bed the night before. All of that stuff sort of conspires to build up against you. I've been complaining about the the noon 
1230 starts for years. I think they're awful. I think they produce a bad product. And I thought we saw that today. I mean, both teams came out a little flat. Michigan was able to hit some shots and, and get some things going. Um, and they were really, I was impressed with Michigan being really balanced offensively, being able to get everybody involved. But for Indiana, I mean, wholly predictable that this was going to happen. Um, I think the Iowa game is going to be a more true test of where this team stands. And, and not again, Iowa's not great. It's not about wins or losses. It's about how they perform. And today they did not perform well. So that's what we're judging this team on early in Archie Miller's tenure is how are they going to perform? How do they run their sets? How do they defend? Um, and I think that that today we saw the bad side. And, and today we saw you know, okay, they did not get it done. I've, I've been screaming for months since the summer. Don't judge this team until late December. It's going to take time to sort of settle in. People got really high after that Duke game. No, don't judge them yet. Don't judge them yet. You know, and then today people are going to be really upset. Don't just give them a chance to sort of settle into this whole new system. Uh, it's a process and really, you know, it's a process that's built towards being good or at least competitive at the start of Big Ten play in January. Uh, obviously, we've got the kooky schedule this year. We're playing Big Ten games early. So, um, But, I, you know, look, I, again, I think you were right about Juwan Morgan. He came to play. Uh, everybody else just seemed to be really flat, really out of it, and, uh, you know, sort of looking for inspiration, and, and they couldn't find it. And, and you know, again, wholly predictable. I, I'm not going to rip them too much. I thought that th there were a lot of things conspiring against him in this game. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Galen Clavio here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's loss to the Michigan Wolverines, 69-55. to Let's go ahead and kind of dive into some of the more specifics. I mean, I think certainly you're correct, Ryan, in you know, talking about the, the problems that this sort of a game presents IU in terms of the timing. It's, it's very difficult, uh, you know, to, to get out of that routine, to have that early afternoon Yeah, I mean, game. we've seen it repeatedly over history not just yeah. for indiana but for other teams as well it's just hard to be out of your routine and come out and perform well unquestionably but but this was there was a, another level of difficulty really i think with this game for iu in as much as you know you're coming off that tremendous emotional game against the duke blue devils where you know the crowds in it it's an electric atmosphere at assembly hall and and really your team plays quite well uh, in a lot of phases of the game. You're not quite able to get the job done, but there's no shame in losing to that Duke team this year, uh, even at home. But to come down off of that a couple of days later and have to face a Michigan team that themselves was kind of in the opposite situation from what IU was facing, having just gotten <laughs> blown out by North, North Carolina, got, got destroyed in Chapel Hill by North Carolina – and and really, I think having to prove something, wanting to get their season in the Big Ten off on the right foot, uh, you know, it was it was going to be a tough matchup anyway, just because of some of the things that Michigan does and and some of the problems that that poses for this particular IU roster uh, composition. But you know, the the intangibles were really stacked up against this IU team, and that doesn't excuse no, some no. of the issues that we saw in the game, but it, it does kind of explain the context around them, I think. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's completely fair. And I guess that was my point is, that, you know, you have to understand context, especially with a team adjusting to a new coach, you know, and adjusting to new systems. You know, they fell into some old habits and, and it's easy to go back to those default settings when you're up against it on the road. I mean, start out on 18 to four. I mean, once you're there, it's hard to come back on the road, especially in a major conference like the Big Ten. I mean, you just 
it's just hard. I mean, it's difficult and, and it's easy to sort of get discouraged on the road when you don't have that, you know, emotion pushing you as they did the other night at assembly hall. Um, what I would say is I think that we saw, uh, I was surprised that there were only 11 turnovers. I, you know, at the end of the game, when I looked at that, I thought there were more, um, but the fact that there were more against Michigan than there were against Duke is, is, you know, what should worry you. But at the same time, again, these games are always sloppy. They're always ugly. Um, you know, they only shot 40% from the field, uh, two of seven from three. I mean, it, uh, we talked about this on the, on the, the post game show after Duke and, or, or actually we it was assembly call radio. We discussed that, you know, three point shooting is going to be an issue for this team because the, the, the basketball is moving towards, you know, high percentage three point shooting is, is valued as much as anything. And, and while, Tom Crean's teams usually did that pretty well. I realize Archie Miller is going to want to play through the paint and stuff like that. But when these guys do get open threes, they need to be able to hit them. And and I think that was an issue because when you're down, let's say 18 to four, if you can get a three, get a good look and make it, yeah. you know, that can change the momentum, bring you back into the game. And so I've been discouraged this year at the three point shooting. Uh, I think these guys really need to work on it and, and, and be able to at least, you don't have to be a three point heavy or three point concentrated team, but you need to be able to knock down open shots. And I, well, I think that that's an issue. It's interesting because one of the elements, I mean, you mentioned the, the lack of turnovers in the second half. I think nine turnovers in the first half and then only You're two right. in the second half, but even worse than the turnovers to some degree in this game were, bad shot selection and how it easily led to Michigan baskets. And this is a team that, I mean, turnovers are certainly bad. Uh, you know, the, the beginning of the year for this team, they were really struggling in the turnover percentage, and that's actually gotten better. But, Much better. But we saw in this game, and, and to a lesser extent in the Duke game, when this team takes a bad shot, it's like their entire defensive possession the next time out just gets scrambled. They don't know where they're supposed to be. They can't track their opponent. And we saw that really in the first half. I mean, that was it was it's one of those things we'll come back to a little later on in the discussion. But their their poor shot selection and the inability of the offense to do things allowed Michigan to get their guys into spots on the other end of the floor and hit open threes. And it just it kind of cascaded because then you've blown the opportunity to put points on the board yourself. You've put them in a position where they've scored, and now there's even more pressure on you offensively to try to get something done. So it's it's really – it was interesting watching that in this game because I feel like it um, it's something that without better outside shooting or without be at least better decision-making as far as where the ball's going, we're going to continue to see that crop yeah. up, especially against these next few opponents. Yeah, there's no answer. You know, and that's that's the you know that's the big problem is that there's no answer when you can't respond with a three. Um, at the same time, if you respond with good offense and get the ball in to the inside and get an easy bucket, that can sort of settle that momentum. Even if you're trading, they're getting three and you're getting two. At least if you've got that solid position, like you said, you get an out of you know they've got to bring it in out of bounds. You can get yourself set defensively, um, so that can really sort of calm that momentum. And we didn't see that today, as you as you mentioned you know, astutely. Um, yeah, I just called you astute on a post game show. That's pretty good. Um, but I've really made it in the world. Really all made it, yeah. No, uh, but I, I, I think you're right. And, and, you know, we've talked about it before and, and certainly, you know, we're not the only ones to have said this, but uh, you know, a bad shot is as bad as a turnover. I mean, if you take it, take an ugly shot, it's as bad as a turnover. Yeah. You might have a chance for a rebound, but you know, you're banking on that with a team without much height in Indiana, you're not going to get it. Um, 
so I yeah, I I guess I just think that this team is still trying to figure out to consistently give Archie Miller what he wants offensively. Um, and I think we saw a lot of improvement in the Duke game and we saw them sort of come back down to earth today. I mean, Deron Davis was two of seven from the field. He wasn't getting it in. He wasn't getting the ball in great position. He wasn't getting the ball um, in a position to help his teammates either. It was a lot of he'd have it and, you know, nobody else would be moving around him, you know, and I thought the most effective part of the Duke game wasn't just his scoring inside, but it was his ability to pass out of the post. And we saw a few times today he he was able to do that. He wound up with two assists, but for the most part, the rest of the offense wasn't working around him to get things done when he got the ball. It was a lot of get the ball to Duran and just stand and watch. And and I don't, I think that's a serious issue. And I'm sure Archie Miller is going to bring that up in film study on this one. We'll be diving into those numbers and a lot more as we move forward here. Coming up on the assembly call, uh, I'll be pointing out today's, or maybe it isn't today's, meaningful moment that you might have missed. <laughs> and then we'll go inside the numbers and talk about uh, some of the per-possession numbers, some of the individual player numbers. That'll be next, coming up right here on the assembly call, along with Ryan Phillips. I'm Galen Clavius. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to the Assembly Hall IU post game Assembly Call IU post game show. I'm gonna mess. Hey, watch that. I'm gonna, thing's trademarked. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm <laughs> gonna back it up again. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. I'm Galen Clavio here with Ryan Phillips. We're breaking down uh, IU's loss to Michigan, 69 to 55 today, and uh, it's time for uh, the meaningful moment that you might have missed. And I mean, there were. There weren't a lot of really moments that I want to highlight out of this game, but I did yeah. want to highlight something that happened in Bloomington last night that was quite meaningful. Indiana soccer heading to the College Cup for the first time in a few years. They knock off Michigan State in penalty shootout 3-2. Uh, to two. It was an exciting game. I was there. Uh, oh, really, I'm jealous. Oh, it was great. Had, the game had a little bit of everything, including – uh, you know, a, a fluke goal by Michigan State at the start of the game, uh, a, a kind of a flukish goal by Indiana, scoring directly off of a corner kick, and then uh, just some outstanding uh, goalkeeping in the in the in the penalty shootout by Indiana and a pitch invasion at the end. I mean, uh, seeing thousands of people, uh, you know, storming the pitch and and celebrating around the IU soccer team was really a special moment. It was something that uh, if you got a chance to go, and a lot of people did, it was the sixth largest crowd in Armstrong Stadium history, 5,450 people, the largest crowd in November or December in Armstrong awesome. history. So just a, a really, really exciting moment for IU. They'll head off to Philadelphia. They don't find their opponent out until a little later on today. 
but that is uh, the meaningful moment you might have missed. And congratulations to Todd Yeagley and the IU soccer team. Yeah, let me say that, you know, uh, also uh, worth mentioning an NCAA record 19th College Cup appearance for Indiana. That's awesome. I mean, it, look, I think people forget about it because of basketball so much, but IU has one of the two or three best soccer programs in the country consistently. I mean, if you look at history. Um, so when you think of, you know, how good Duke is in basketball or Kansas or whatever. That's what IU is in soccer. I mean, we are a great soccer program, and I, I really hope that that fans of the basketball team will start paying attention more to the soccer team. Watch them. They're going to be on TV, you know, in the, in the College Cup. Find it. Watch it. You know, check your local listings. Um, I will say the only time I ever stormed a court or a field in college was in my senior year, 2005, uh, Indiana hosted undefeated number one Akron in soccer with Lee oh, Lee Wynn led the team that year for Indiana and uh, they won in overtime and we stormed the field and there was a huge IU flag at center field being waved and I that was one of my favorite college memories uh, again it was another packed house uh, that night as, as I'm sure it was last night and I'm very jealous of all my friends who got to go last night I was seeing great pictures on Twitter and uh, so congratulations to, to coach Yeagley and uh, the rest of the team, that's a really good team. And a great thing about that team, they're really young, so they're going to be good next year too. Uh, yeah. So, no, uh, uh, yeah, congratulations to the soccer team. It's worth distracting us today, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> easily worth the distraction to discuss a little soccer. We have to look for the good times where we can find them. And, uh, you know, look, getting back and, and talking a little bit about IU, about IU basketball here, uh, you know, it is it is time to go inside the numbers as you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Galen Clavy along with Ryan Phillips as we break down this uh, Indiana-Michigan game from today. Uh, you know, something that I think is worth pointing out, this was not a horrendous defensive game for IU if you look at the points per possession. Uh, it seemed that way. It seemed like there were a lot of defensive breakdowns uh, throughout. But really, if you take the game as a whole, IU only allowed uh, an offensive rating for Michigan of 106, which is you know 1.06 points per possession. When you look at some of the other games that they've struggled defensively in, this was actually a relatively good performance from them. And, you know, I mean, Michigan shot about their average from three. They only shot about 35% from there. They, they shot very well from two. They didn't get to the free throw line that much. Uh, you know, so I think it's important to keep in mind. I mean, the defense was not that bad by itself in this game. The offense was another story. Uh, this yeah, was, of course. This was probably IU's worst offensive performance of the year, uh, an offensive rating of only 85, which means, you know, less than a point per possession. And, you know, it really manifested itself in a bunch of different ways. It wasn't necessarily the three-point shooting, Ryan, because we've seen oh, no, yeah. we've seen IU struggle from three, and they really weren't making that part of their offense to begin with in this contest. But but the shot selection from inside, as we mentioned earlier, the and it was different. You know, the inability of Deron Davis to get his shots to fall and, and also the tendency of some of the guards to pull up from about 14 to 17 feet and hit try to hit shots there and miss – uh, really combined for kind of a, a perfect storm of offensive nightmare inside the three-point line. Yeah, that that was the issue. And, and you know, if you're going to take two dribbles and and pull up, you better make that shot. I mean, on, you got to be real confident you're going to make that shot. And the way I use guards are shooting right now overall, that's just a poor decision anytime it happens. Um, you know, and and Robert Johnson specifically is really struggling with his shot and hesitating on his shot. And if you got no, if you have no confidence, take it to the rim and try and get fouled. I mean, if you miss a layup 
but you're at least in the mix trying to get fouled. I can respect that. A pull up from 14 feet that you clang off the rim. I, I'm not that. That doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't get me excited. Um, and you're right. The three point shooting isn't isn't an issue as far as today's game just being bad. It's it's sort of been where it is all year. And and you know, long term, I do think they need to start hitting some of those shots. But that you know, that's not what this team is built to do. This team is built to win through the paint and built to attack the rim. Uh, and and you didn't you saw a few guys today also driving into the paint and not getting to the rim and finishing you know you saw robert johnson do the old yogi Farrell thing and when yogi was doing he was probing the defense but you drive in and then just go out through the corner and drive back out you know and it's like rob you're not yogi you can't do that you know that, that's yogi's thing you what, know and let's touch on the robert johnson thing a little bit here because it wasn't that he had a bad offensive game by the numbers i mean he, did, he only scored six points which is an issue but you know it was two for four from the field he didn't commit a turnover in the second half. He had three nope. at halftime, and, and that's all he had for the game. But but the problem with him in this game was almost what he didn't do. Like, yes. I, would, I would almost rather he was two for 11 from the field than two at least for four. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, if you look at the other numbers out there, Josh Newkirk ended up taking eight shots. He only hit three. Devontae Green took seven shots. He only hit three. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a situation where you had – you know, obviously, Robert Johnson seems to be struggling with with either his confidence or his desire to take the shots. I'm not not his desire to play the game. Don't get me wrong, but his desire to actually be the guy taking the shots. But the other options offensively, particularly in a game like this where they started doubling and triple teaming in the post, you almost have to have Robert Johnson taking those shots. Yep. And I'm very puzzled by his, his his unwillingness to do so at this point. I mean, I feel like to some degree. It's it's the piece of the offensive puzzle that is causing the most harm right now for IU in terms of getting some kind of consistent flow going possession by possession. You know what I what one thing I, I've always loved about Rob is how aggressive he is defensively and what a good defender he is. And I wish he would bring that same mentality to offense. And that, that's something I've been wish I've been hoping for since he was a, a sophomore. You know, and and I think that you excused it as a sophomore because he was deferring to Yogi Farrell. Um but last year we saw he really sometimes shies away, and he's I use leading scorer right now. But he sometimes shies away from, you know, being that guy you you can rely on late in the clock, or um, you know, it, it's almost it almost looks like sometimes when he takes a shot, he's questioning, should I be taking this shot? You know, and and you can't do that as a senior. You know, you've got to play confident, and I think that rubs off on the rest of the team. And I think Rob is great at setting a tempo defensively. I think that that was part of the reason the Duke game was as competitive as it was because of his defense on Grayson Allen. Uh, you know, just his intensity on that end of the floor, getting right up in Allen's face and, and accepting that challenge and being willing to go one-on-one -on -one with him. Uh, and I think that he does that often, but then it, again, it just doesn't translate to the offensive end. And look, the guards around him right now are Devontae Green, who's inconsistent. I mean, I love Devontae Green. Don't get me wrong, and I think he's going to be a great player, but he's inconsistent because he didn't play a whole lot last year. He's, I mean, it was almost like he took a redshirt year. I mean, he played, but, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, impact time. So he's almost going through his first year right now. So he's inconsistent, expected. Um, Josh Newkirk, inconsistent up and down. I, I mentioned the other night, I feel bad for Josh because this is his third system he's played in in his college career. They're all completely different. He's had the microfracture surgery. Look, the guy plays hard. He just is not consistent and doesn't necessarily get it done when he needs to. Um, 
And then you got Curtis Jones, who's wildly inconsistent. Robert Johnson needs to be the consistent guard out of this group. Yeah, and just, he's just not. You just don't have options at this point. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, and, and look, he had a very good game against Duke. He yes. had a, I think, a, a decent game against Seton Hall earlier on in the year. So it, it's, it's almost the moments in the offense when Robert is not taking the shots. That's really where the problems are, and he's sometimes able to fix that later on in the game. I mean, I felt that way a little bit in the second half against Duke, where you know, he was compensating positively for some of the issues that he sure. had in the first half of that game, but. Man, there's just not much else out there for this IU team in terms of guys who you would feel confident shooting the ball. Uh, you know, and I mean, you mentioned Curtis Jones. I mean, Jones is like barely in the rotation at this point. He got yeah. in today in garbage time, and that's pretty much been the trend with him here over the last couple of weeks. I, I get the sense that you know Archie's decided that backcourt wise, he's riding with with Rojo and Devonte and Josh Newkirk and Al Durham, and that's going to be basically it. Um, so out of that four, you've got to have, you know, people willing to take the shot. And while Newkirk, for instance, seems to be willing to take the shot, you, you, you'd feel better. I feel like in a lot of cases with Robert Johnson taking that same shot and yet he's not. Yeah. If you would, if you would take it confidently, you know, and it's, you know, you see him go up and he almost double clutches on his shot sometimes. And it's, you know, it's maddening because we know he can be a good three point shooter. We know he can, he knows he can, but it's almost like he's not sure if he's that guy right now and and he needs to be, I mean, look, no one's expecting him to be Yogi Ferrell from the three point line, but he needs to be able to take shots confidently like, like Yogi did. And, and uh, like others have, you know, before him, Um, I just don't see, that I may not see that happening this year, and that that's it's a bummer for me because I really like Rob. I think he's a good good kid, and he plays extremely hard. I just want him to to have the confidence in himself that I think other people have in him, you know. Um, but you know, maybe Jawan Morgan is turning out to be the most reliable guy on the team. It's it's certainly starting to look like that. I mean, and let's let's talk a little bit about Jawan. I mean, this has really been a revelation this season for Jawan. You, you know, you go back and look at what he's been able to do over the last five games. You know, double figure scoring in four of those games. Uh, you know, this is his his second twenty point game of the year. His first came against Arkansas State earlier in the year. Uh, you know, and and this was also the second game of the year where he hit nine shots from the field. You know, that's that's a lot of offensive production for a guy that that's already been injured once this year and and who was certainly not in the center of the orbit for this IU offense last season. Uh, you know, his his rebounding was also excellent today. Eight rebounds overall. Um, you know, if you don't have Ju- uh, Juwan Morgan in this game, I, I, I really struggle to see what I use able to do at all offensively in that first half. He basically just put them on his back for 20 minutes, if not more than that. Yeah, and and the 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 great thing about Jawan that you're starting to see is he's starting to create things for himself. You know, it used to be a lot of he'd be wide open on the block and somebody would find him and he'd finish or he'd hit a three or you know something. He's actually starting to create things for himself with his cuts and with you know off the dribble, which I don't think anybody saw happening this year. Um, but he's really become more than a garbage man, more than like a really good garbage man. He's actually really starting to become an offensive threat. And, and that's, that's a huge development. It's funny. A few weeks ago in between segments on the radio show, we were kind of just riffing, you know, it wasn't actually on air, uh, but the people in the YouTube chat saw it. And, 
we were kind of riffing and and we were talking about Jared said something about Juwan Morgan being back next year. And I said, Hey man, if he plays a good season, he could go to the NBA. And Jared was like, you're crazy. You're crazy. And then the other day on the other show, he's like, okay, maybe you were right. <laughs> uh, Juwan has the skills to be an NBA player. He absolutely does. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, uh, but he certainly has the ability to be, you know, a guy who has a nice NBA career off as a bench player. Uh, he's he's a guy who can do a lot of things for you, and he's got to realize that level of talent. People forget he was a he was a decently highly rated recruit. I mean, he's you know, this is a guy who who genuinely has the ability to affect games, and and it's great that over the last few games we really started to see that. I thought the game against Duke changed when he got his fourth foul and, and had to go out because I thought that Indiana had built a lot of momentum at that point. They were up seventy three sixty nine. He fouled Bagley on a layup, um, and he had to leave the game for a few minutes, and that that's right when that game flipped. And and so he's wildly important to this team, and it, it's already been been shown. And when he and Deron Davis are playing well together, all you need is somebody on the outside who can knock down a shot or ball fake and get to the rim from the, from the perimeter uh, consistently. You do that, and you've got something there with this Indiana team. And I think, you know, hopefully somebody will step up. I think that's the missing piece. As you said, there's, there's a missing piece to this offense, so whether it's, it's Robert Johnson or one of the other guys being able to knock down a shot or get to the rim consistently. That is what this season will probably hinge on. Coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Michigan. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the assembly call IU post game show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and also every Thursday night on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm Galen Clavio subbing in for Jared Morris, and I'm here with Ryan Phillips. We're breaking down Indiana's 69 to 55 loss today against the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, you know, Ryan, as we as we look at, I guess, the implications of this game, uh, it, I mean, it's there's not a whole lot else to say about the way IU played. I mean, certainly we could talk a little bit about, you know, a, another struggle for Deron Davis to really get his offensive game going. He had some looks early on in the contest that didn't fall, and that seemed to affect his confidence uh, in, in putting shots up. You know, but but by and large, I mean, this just seemed like the sort of game where – IU fell behind early. They had trouble getting back into it. And, you know, it was going to be tough under ideal circumstances to win at Michigan, a team that, you know, certainly has you know a better chance than, than a lot of teams in the conference of getting into the NCAA tournament this year. But going into the game coming up on, on Monday against Iowa, like what do you take out of this game that you see Archie Miller saying, look, we've got to get this fixed or we need to adjust the way that we're doing things, uh, you know, in order to have a, a better shot at, at coming away with a victory in that one well you can't you can't shoot 40 percent from the field and win a game i mean you really can't spend well particularly on the road but um you know so i think that shot selection is going to be the biggest thing to come out of this i mean look he held michigan as you said the, the defensive performance wasn't terrible they held michigan to 69 points 1.06 points per possession i mean it's not good but it's not you know horrendous we've seen far worse over the last 12 months um so I think that the key is going to be offensively getting back to pound the ball inside, work from there. Everybody cut off of that. I mean, if you pass the ball to Deron Davis and you cut hard, it's coming back to you if he doesn't have a layup. You know, and and 
I think that he's shown that he showed that against Duke. He's shown that at other times this year, you know, that he is able to find his teammates. And I think the key is, is, you know, the, the, the message Archie has to get across. And I think it's starting to come defensively is if you play good defense, the basketball is a really easy game. If you do not allow people to drive by you and get layups, basketball is easy. It, it can be really easy. And offensively, if you cut, if you do basic things, you cut hard, you throw good passes, you value possessions, you throw it into the post and cut off of that. Basketball is a really easy game. I mean, it is. And and look, they've gotten the message on turnovers. You're, you're seeing the turnover numbers, you know, halved from last year. Uh, defensively, you're starting to get see them get the message. Don't allow easy drives to land. Look, if the team beats you hitting 18 three-pointers or 19 three-pointers like Indiana State uh, did, it, look, that was not a good game. They didn't play well. But if a team hits that many three-pointers, they're going to beat you. It's fine. Tip your cap. We'll move on. You'll live with that. Um, but you know, not allowing easy buckets in the paint, they're doing that. What they need to do offensively is just be consistent with their message. Don't don't shoot 14 foot pull-ups if you're not open, you know, get to the rim, get a foul, play through the paint and, and, and get the ball inside and let your big man find you if you're open, if he's not, if they double. So I think that is really where he's going to have to concentrate is offensively, you know, reestablishing that identity. They seem to show in the Duke game and seem to show in a couple games before the Duke game, reestablishing that identity, pound the ball, get it inside and, and work off of that. Let's talk a little bit about the people that played in the game and the people that that didn't. Uh, you know, the the top two players off the bench for this IU team today in terms of minutes, Colin Hartman continuing to work his way back into the lineup, 20 minutes overall. Didn't make a huge dent offensively, only scored a couple of points, uh, but did make a, a big impact on the boards. Had eight rebounds. That was, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise. I was shocked when I saw that number that that he had actually grabbed that many throughout the course of the game. Yeah, I knew I had a few. I didn't know he had eight. Yeah, I mean, let's let's maybe start with Colin. I mean, how does he look to you versus maybe how you thought he would look, taking into account the injuries and so forth? Well, I think that today you saw him come back down to earth a little bit uh, from the last few games, and maybe that's a short turnaround from Duke. I don't know, and the travel and all that stuff uh, that can affect a guy who's been nursing, especially you know a groin injury or an ankle injury or you know any of those injuries can can be you know aggravated a little bit by not having your normal preparation time. Um, I thought that he looked offensively looked a little slower than he's looked. Um, I thought defensively again with Colin Harmon, he's always in the right spot. You know, 99% of the time he's going to be in the right spot. He's going to get the rest of the team organized. He's going to be in great position for rebounds. You know, I mean all that little stuff he's going to do. Um, I would like to see more from him offensively though. And, and I, you know, I didn't see him getting much air under him when he was on his jump shot. Uh, he missed two threes and I, I didn't think he got off the ground very high. Um, so maybe it was just uh, fatigue or it could have been, you know, a re-aggravation of the injury, not, not to the point where it's going to put him out, but just, it wasn't feeling great. Right. Um, so I, I think that there was some of that offensively, defensively, again, as I said, always in the right position, always in great position for rebounds, all that stuff that you can rely on like clockwork. So um, I thought there were some good and some bad with Colin. I think, it, again, as you said, they're still working him back into the rotation. I think we're not going to see him get in full minutes until about January. Yeah, no, I think that that's logical. And and look, ultimately, with with Colin, it's it's one of those situations where as he continues to round himself into shape, it's it's just going to be really fascinating to watch 
you know, how he uh, supplants is the wrong word, but like where he fits within the overall uh, offensive rhythm of this team and, you know, where his minutes end up coming from. You know, it's, it seems like he's been stepping in on both the, in the, both the front court and the back court to some degree in terms of his positioning on the floor, uh, which is about what you would have expected from him coming into the season. He still does look pretty tentative as, as you mentioned. And look, I think that, you know, the way that, the way that he has set himself up so far, you know, through the first couple of games back from injury, it's been it's been logical. I think the way that Archie Miller's been using him has been pretty logical. I actually some I, I I to some degree don't think he would have played the number of minutes he played today, but it seemed like there was a real premium being placed by by Archie on guys that were going to go out there and play hard and, and play relatively smart. And you know you're going to get that with Colin by and large, and it seemed like that was what he was able to provide on the floor. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a steadying influence to some degree on some of those offensive stretches where they did seem more into the game, uh, as opposed to you know, earlier yeah, on in the contest, especially where they didn't quite seem to have a handle on what they were supposed to do. Uh, you know, on a particular offensive possession. Yeah, and quite frankly, that's that's what we've come to expect from Colin Hartman. You know, he's a guy he gets guys organized, and he got and he and he, and you know, it's almost. And I mentioned this the other night. It's it's almost like having your dad on the floor. You know, you don't want to disappoint him. Whatever you do, you know, you'll you'll you can you don't want to take a wrong shot or be in a wrong spot because you'll upset him. I mean, that that's sort of the effect he has on this team. They do they all all of a sudden they shape up as soon as he's on the floor. So uh, I think his influence, you know, is one that uh, you know, and it's cliche to say, but it doesn't always show up in the stat line. Um, that said. Uh, you know, we'll see as he gets more involved. You know, whose minutes he takes as we, whose minutes he takes, and and we've seen, you know, Curtis Jones' minutes have have dropped a little. Justin Smith's minutes have dropped a little. Um, you wonder if that's where it's going to come from uh, long term. It seems like that's the way this is going, though. Let's talk about another player that got a decent number of minutes in this contest, and that's uh, Zach McRoberts, a guy who really wasn't playing at all at the start of the season and has slowly kind of worked his way into a little more competition. He played a total of two minutes through the first five games of the season, and he's played eight minutes, six minutes, and now 12 minutes in the last three games. Now, he hasn't scored. He didn't score against Michigan. He didn't score against Duke. Uh, you know, He chipped in a rebound here or there in the last couple of games. But what do you see him providing right now? Why do we keep seeing him popping back up in the lineup? You know, I think that a lot of it has to probably do with his effort defensively. Uh, again, he's a guy who is always in the right position. I mean, I'll give him credit. He is he hustles. He's in the right position. Uh, that's the kind of thing that Archie Miller's looking for. He's looking for guys who will sell out defensively. And then I think that he just figures we'll figure it out on offense through our sets and and anybody can sort of be, you know, I mean, you're obviously not going to be, you're not expecting Zach McGargis to replace a guy like Deron Davis or Jawan Morgan, but he can be out there and help facilitate sort of what's going on in the offense. Um, but he doesn't provide you much on the stat sheet, but it just looks like, I, I will admit, I was, I was sort of wondering why he was playing more, but if you isolate on him when you're watching a game, he just is in the right position. He's there to help his teammates. He he recovers well. Um, you know, he'll have a, a mistake here or there, but the rest of this team makes those mistakes too. So, uh, you know, I, I got to give the kid credit. He's out there and he's doing the right things. And, and you know, he's not going to light up the score sheet. He's not going to score you a ton of points. Um, but he, he's giving you something. And, and, you know, in a game like this where they were struggling, uh, he can kind of be... Uh, 
a guy you can put out there and not really have to worry about. Uh, you know, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to dribble the ball off his foot. He's not going to take a, a 25 foot three that's, you know, completely ill advised. He's out there to sort of do all the right things and be solid. And I, you know, almost like a mini Colin Hartman you know, uh, at least on the defensive end. Um, and I thought that he, I thought that he, you know, he didn't, he didn't cover himself in glory necessarily, but he wasn't hurting anybody by being out there. And I thought that defensively he played pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's, it, I keep seeing this now kind of gradually transpire with this IU team. You know, you've got a guy like McRoberts that'll come in and, and play well uh, defensively, but he can't really give you much on the offensive end. You kind of get the same thing out of Freddie McSwain at times. You get the same yeah. thing out of Robert Johnson where he's playing really good defensively and then he's not able to contribute offensively to the level that you'd like. This is really kind of the core issue with this IU team right now is that you are getting some pretty good defensive effort out of these a lot of these players, but you're not getting – the offensive production that you need to be able to sustain it. Like eventually defensive the, efforts only going to take you so far. It's the exact opposite of what we've seen the last few years. Yeah. I think. And, 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 you know, a guy like Zach McRoberts or, or uh, Robert Johnson is like the polar opposite of James Blackman jr. You know, it's like, you know, it, it not to speak ill of the, those in the G league, but it, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where there's just, you're getting half the game from these guys. And, and, you know, it's sort of like when, when Robert Johnson scores 15 or, or gets, you know, starts getting to the rim or hits a three or two, I feel like Indiana's going to win those games. I mean, you know, it, it just, I, I feel confident that if he is going well like that, I feel like they're going to win games. If Josh Newker can hit one or two threes confidently, I feel like, hey, you know, we got a pretty good shot to win this game. And, and when they're not doing that, you're only going to half the equation. And it's a lot like sort of the Korean era where you'd have this high-flying offense and nobody guarding anybody and, and just allowing guys to waltz to the rim. So, But I think it's easier to build an offense than it is to build a defensive identity. And I think the defensive identity with this team is going to be there. You cannot win a championship if you can't get stops. And I think the defensive identity for this Indiana team and the program is going to be there. It's about building into the system offensively, and you've seen flashes of it this year. You know, in that run up to the Duke game, you saw a couple games where they really started to look like they were getting it offensively. <clears throat> Against Duke, they played pretty well and showed that you know they could run that offense and everything. Today, it went out the window. Okay, let's reset. Uh, you know, we know this was a tough game to play in. Let's let's reset against Iowa and sort of bring it. And and I think. The Iowa game is going to be really telling because a you're coming off a coming off a, a conference loss on the road that was difficult and everybody going into it knew it was going to be difficult. You're also two games removed from Duke, so okay, that high, that low, that letdown, that hangover, got to be gone, you know, because you're yeah. you're it'll be the second game off of that, got to be gone, and it'll be a home game. So how are they going to react? How are they going to play? You're four and four. You know, people are going to be talking. You're only five hundred. How are you going to react to those criticisms that are certainly going to come um, after this one? A sloppy, you know, not a well-played game. So let, that's going to tell us a lot about this team, a lot about this team's makeup mentally, and and about the leadership of the team. Can they come back, settle themselves, and 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 turn in a good performance? You're listening to Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Galen Clavia here with Ryan Phillips breaking down the Indiana's loss to Michigan. You, you hit on something that I think is important. With a team like this, where you're struggling offensively, uh, you know it, it is easier to play games at home when the opponent can get unnerved a bit by the assembly hall crowd. I think we saw that to some degree against Duke, uh, you know. And 
we've seen it with Big Ten opponents that have come into Assembly Hall, you know, for time immemorial. That's going to help this team a lot. You know, perhaps yeah. it gives their them some offensive confidence to to make shots or take shots that they didn't have otherwise, and certainly it will help them even more on the defensive end. You know, so it's it's you can look at this Michigan game and you can say, well, this was not an acceptable performance, and you'd be right. But the difference, I think. For this specific Indiana team, between how they're going to play at home in the Big Ten season and how they're going to play in road and neutral sites, is probably going to be a, a very large chasm. Yeah, I would agree. I think that this team's going to rely, especially teams that rely on defense tend to play way better at home with a crowd behind them. Um, now, defense is something you should always be able to rely on. And you know, it's it's sort of the backbone of this team. I think it's going to be defense. And uh so that should help them on the road because that that doesn't go away. I think offensive flow and continuity can go away, but defensive intensity should never go away. But at the same time, I agree. I think with the problems this team has offensively, the noise at Assembly Hall should be able to help them sort of refocus and 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 you know maybe get the other team to be jittery and make mistakes defensively. Um, that said, hopefully you know. This is a 14 point loss. Hopefully, a lot of that can be contributed, can be attributed to all of the factors we discussed coming in, you know. And look, they were down 13 at the break, 34 21. It was a horrible first half. That was a flat performance, um, as we, as again, as I expected. The second half, 35 34, Michigan won. They played better in the second half. They'd only turned it over twice, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, it was, it wasn't pretty, but it was better. Um, so hopefully that was just a first half that came out and, and, you know, was a gut punch. And then they finally sort of figured it out. That said, I think you're right. This team will play much better at home. Um, there's a comfort level at home that I think will be huge for this team. And, and especially a guy like Robert Johnson, who is really iffy about shooting. I think he'll be more comfortable shooting and, and maybe doing stuff offensively at home. That'll help you. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that the, there is going to be a big difference between home and away for this team. And, uh, hopefully it's just not too big coming up in our final segment on this edition of the assembly call. We hand out our game balls, look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. We've done that a little bit already and then deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Michigan in last call. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Galen Clavio here with Ryan Phillips. We're wrapping up our breakdown of the loss to Michigan, uh, an unsuccessful trip to Chrysler Arena for this Indiana squad. Let's go ahead and give out our game balls. Uh, well, it's not really around the horn if we've only got two people, I guess. But let me pass the <laughs> ball to Ryan. Let's give, get your game ball first. Well, I'm going to steal the obvious one to go with Juwan Morgan, of course. you got you got to learn the tricks of the trade here, Galen. Get it get it while the getting's good. Uh, I guess Juwan can get can get two game balls if if we want i i think that you know he was the only guy really pushing the action we've talked about him already uh 24 points eight rebounds and assist a block only one turnover and only three fouls uh and foul trouble was the issue against duke whether those were legitimate calls or not we'll get into that another time but you know nine of 14 from the field uh six and nine from the free throw line obviously free throws got to get better for this team and and Joan's one of the biggest culprits of that because he's going to get there a lot uh but i thought this was his game i thought that he led the way and and uh I think it's just another look at him stepping up along the way and, and becoming the player he, he was always going to be. 
I mean, obviously that was the the primary game ball to give out in this. But you know what? I'll go with Devontae Green. Uh, he didn't start, but came off the bench, was the second leading scorer for IU in this game, scored seven points, had three assists, which led the team. And when IU was actually getting the ball into the post and, and was able to, to, you know, kind of get some action going, I felt like Green was the guy that was able to get the ball in there the most consistently. You know, it was one of those where he seemed to have the vision to make the passes that that Newkirk and Robert Johnson and even Al Durham were kind of lacking throughout the course of the game. You know, his shooting was it was okay. It was three for seven from the field. He, he tried hitting a couple of threes and neither of them went in. But I like the energy he brought off the bench. And, you know, I think that Devontae is kind of a, a curious specimen from the standpoint of what he provides for this team. There's going to be games where he is is very off and that's you're going to kind of scratch your head and say, what, what is this Devonte green that we're getting right now? And then there's going to be other games where uh, he really provides a tremendous amount for IU. The, the offense for him has really, I think yet to materialize to the level we thought he, he certainly had a good game offensively against Seton hall, but he's only got one other game this season where he, he got into double figures, yep. uh, you know, but he seems to be filling some of those other spots pretty well. Uh, you know, he's, he's tried to act as more of a facilitator, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think, given a spark, uh, you know, certainly offensively uh, for this team in terms of distributing the ball, and, and I didn't think today was any different. So my game ball goes to Devontae Green. That was generous of you. I, I mean, who else would it have gone to? Exactly? <laughs> no, I, I actually agree. I thought, I think Devontae is a bit of the straw that stirs the drink occasionally for this offense. And look, I love what that kid brings defensively. He is so intense defensively. And sometimes he's a little over aggressive, but uh, the the willingness to defend was even there, was even evident last year when he got in the game. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think that, that he played pretty well uh, considering all things. And being a sophomore and only turning it over twice in a game where everybody's just so off uh, and he was handling the ball a lot was pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, and I, I think that when I use doing – when the offense is really in the mix, I think you're going to find Devontae Green in the middle of that mix more often than not. So, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of quotes come out from this. Uh, I, there was an interesting little side note as I'm looking – uh, along our Twitter timeline, Zach Osterman of the Indy Star said, uh, you know, I asked Archie Miller if today was disappointing as a follow-up to Duke. He more or less refuted the question, quote, it's disappointing when you lose to Duke. We didn't beat Duke. I've got to keep coming back to that, which, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's right. And, and it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people, I feel like, you know, even looking at when we were talking on our Crimson Cast feed earlier today about you know, what are people expecting, a lot of people came into this game expecting a win, which I thought was kind of foolish, but ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of that was coming off of this idea that oh, we played well against Duke, there, ergo, we will play well against Michigan, and you know, it's, again, the, the transitive property strikes in the most <laughs> negative way. You it just, is the you, worst. It, like, I, I mean, just in general, sports. It, it, like I, I hate having to tell people that constantly. The transitive property works in math. It doesn't work in sports. It really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, perfect example last night. I mean, as, as a personal thing, I'll throw this in here because I know it'll drive Jared nuts. Okay, USC got in football got blown out by Notre Dame. It was the worst performance by a USC team in like five years. Uh, Stanford beat Notre Dame and just pasted them when they played them. And USC beat Stanford twice this year, including in the Pac-12 championship game. It doesn't work in sports, folks. No, like, we, we could we could do a lot of IU football games this uh, year. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, you cannot say, oh, they played well against them, therefore they'll beat them or they'll do the matchups matter, you know, individual games matter, the circumstances of the games matter, everything is different. So, yeah, do not, if listeners out there, do not expect the transitive property to ever work in sports. One other quote that I saw, I think it was from Moritz Wagner, uh, had a lot of complimentary things to say about Juwan Morgan after this game, said that he put on a a post-up clinic. And uh, it was... I, I, I got to say, not far off. I mean, I thought Juwan showed some really good moves down low. We've talked about him already. He got Ryan's game ball, obviously, so he must have played well in the post. And, you know, look, that's it's going to be such an important and maybe not anticipated aspect of this IU sure. team down the line. I mean, you really do wonder if, if you were getting the offensive production that you thought you were going to get out of Juwan Morgan as opposed to what you're getting right now, which is significantly above that. That's where I think the panic button might have to be pressed a little bit more on the season. But fortunately, Juwan has really grown into his role, and that's really cool to see. Um, you're listening to Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Uh, let's go ahead and do a quick preview of IU's next game as they'll be taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes. These are two teams that are they're very close in terms of Ken Palm, and they're pretty close in terms of overall record. We, we've yet to see what Iowa's going to do today. They have Penn State at home. Penn State's actually favored on Ken Palm in that game. But uh, Iowa, so far in the season, they they went to a holiday tournament. Which one did they go to, Ryan? I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't even know. I was I was out in Maui. I wasn't paying attention to anything right. on the mainland. I don't blame you. But they didn't fare particularly well in <laughs> no. that contest. They, they lost by nine to Louisiana Lafayette. They lost by eight to South Dakota State. Their one win in that neutral tournament was against UAB, and that's also their best win of the year because their other three wins are against Chicago State, Alabama State, and Grambling, who, despite beating Georgia Tech yesterday, is still not a good team. Uh, Iowa also got uh, absolutely murdered in Blacksburg uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, 79-55. to I think they went something like like 11 minutes without scoring from the field or something like it was something ridiculous. Um, so by the way, they were in the Cayman islands classic, which I didn't even know existed. And if I, if I, I, I don't know for certain on this, but I believe that the Cayman islands classic, like there weren't actual locker rooms, like the, the players were having to get dressed in tents outside of the, the, the gym that they were playing. Like and I believe, I believe like I heard that do. from somewhere. So <laughs> you know, we should really we should really put on an assembly call like holiday <laughs> tournament. I feel like we could certainly just provide better accommodations than what you're getting. Get in the produced post game show in here. That's and, right. You know. I think it could happen anyway. So Iowa coming into this game, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because Iowa so far on the season really hasn't shown a whole lot. It seems like a pretty typical Iowa team under Fran McCaffrey. Their their defense has been. Some are questionable. They're actually not playing at a particularly high pace this year. Uh, offensively, their numbers have been okay when you take into account that they really haven't played uh, many decent teams. They're sure. getting you know a decent amount of, uh, of offensive performance out of Jordan Bohannon and Tyler Cook. It's a very young team. I mean, you're talking about mostly freshmen and sophomores leading the way for this Iowa squad. So this is a game – that IU really needs to win. I mean, for on a number yeah. of levels, not just not just from a momentum perspective, but this is a team I think that is demonstrably worse than IU right now, and they got to take advantage of that at home. Yeah, and it's a home game. It's you know, I mean, the the mantra of the Big Ten has always been to me: win all your home games, win half your road games, and you're going to be in the mix. You know, I mean, that's that's the you know, 
not not even half your road games, but you know, pick off a few road games, and and you're gonna you're gonna be in the mix. And uh, I think that that's got to be the mantra for this Indiana team: protect Assembly Hall, and then go out and and surprise some people. You know, get a, pick up a couple of good wins, and you might be able to do that because the Big Ten looks like it's really down this year. I mean, we're you know, it's been a huge wake up call over the last few weeks for the Big Ten, and. Um, one thing I will say, it's a short turnaround. It's a Monday game. I don't know why that was scheduled that way instead of Tuesday or Wednesday uh, because they don't play again until they play Louisville on, uh, was it Friday next week? No, it's Saturday next week. Yeah, uh, they, they play Louisville. I mean, I don't know why there's a short turnaround on this. I don't know what's with the scheduling on that. Um, it's I don't think it's fair to the players on either team because they're playing Saturday and they got to play Monday. Uh, but you know, thanks, yeah, Jim the, Delaney. Uh, the, one silver any, line, the one silver lining there is that IU gets to come home for the yes, second game in the tournament, certainly. whereas Iowa has to travel. Exactly, and uh, so yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, it is it is advantageous to IU to be home in that one uh, on the short turnaround. Um, you know, Iowa Fran McCaffrey teams are so volatile, just like their coach, and you don't know what you're going to get from them. I think this year they're not very good. Uh, I did see some of that Virginia Tech game, just did not look like they belonged on the same floor as Virginia Tech. Um, didn't play well on the road, and, and that I think was indicative of, of what this team is. We'll see how they play at Penn State today, uh, but it's certainly a game that IU should win. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. I'm Galen Clavio. I got Ryan Phillips with me here, and it's time for last call. Uh, Ryan, let's have it from you first. Yeah, I, I just think we got to reiterate this was a completely predictable result today. Disappointing, unacceptable, sure. Uh, but I think that coming off of the high that Duke came, even though they lost Archie, uh, just so you know, I know you guys lost that game, but I think that there was just that emotional component to that game that of course is not going to be there on the road you go in you play an early morning game which i hate anybody who listens to these to the, to the show knows i cannot stand those games uh always sloppy always ugly particularly for the road team and to be fair uh, it's early morning for you it's just well, midday I it, for I, us i call it i call it early morning because it's a 12 30 so technically it's afternoon but let's face it it's not what these guys are used to playing and if you're one of those players you do have to wake up early super early do your walkthrough and warm up you know when you've still got sleep in your eyes uh but you, you, i mean you're right it, it, i just do not like these games and i think that they always turn out sloppy i think it's a bad product for the big 10 so uh that happened it look you gotta if you're indiana you gotta put this in the rearview mirror it was a tough situation to walk into uh, and you gotta come out and play much better against iowa I think all that's very fair, and I'll go ahead and go with my last call here. Look, ultimately, I'm not worried about this game. You know, the I've, I've seen some comments already about you know lack of effort and and so forth. It, to me, it's it, you're going to get this. I think with this particular personnel set for a while, you're going to have games where they just look like they're not sure what they're supposed to do, particularly offensively. 
We've seen that out of this personnel set for several years now. Uh, this has been one of the consistent, unfortunately, consistent hallmarks of IU basketball under the previous regime. And the idea that a magic wand was going to be waved and that would suddenly go away, I think, was uh, overly optimistic. Let's put it that way. Uh, I, I think defensively, again, this was a better game than a lot of people will probably give it credit for. Offensively, it was a worse game, and you're going to have some bad offensive games on the road. The key for this team is how do they carry over from this game to the next game? They're almost fortunate in a way that they don't have to let this linger in the the public consciousness for more than a day, you know. and then Monday they get to match up against Iowa, and if they come out and play hard and, and come away with a victory there, then they get some time to really reset themselves and get set for what will be a very interesting game taking on Louisville on the road. So not really that worried about this game. Would have certainly liked to see them play better. Really liked what they did when they came out at the beginning of the second half. We didn't mention that yet, but you know this is a team that looked like it was in danger of letting the game get away from them completely, and they got it back to within five. And you know a couple of things go differently there. Maybe the game ends up taking a different tenor uh, for the rest of the contest. It didn't. You move on, and that's what you get. Uh, so we'll see what happens as we move forward. Uh, that Iowa game coming up, as we mentioned, very quickly. And um, hopefully, overall, just a better performance than what we saw in this contest. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Remember that our live broadcasts are immediately following every IU game, and they're always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com. Also on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to the folks in the YouTube chat. Uh, Enjoyed a lot of what you had to say today. And uh, we'll talk to you again Monday night after IU Iowa. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. 
play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.